Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. The 1911 is one of the most iconic firearms in history. Designed by John Browning, the 1911 was the standard-issue sidearm of the U.S. military from 1911 to 1985. While Colt produced the original, almost every major firearm company has produced its own version. It's wildly revered for its reliability, crisp trigger, and is still a favorite for all types of shooters. Whether you're looking to buy or build a 1911 and just about everything for guns, log on to MidwayUSA.com. Hello and welcome to the Truth From The Stand Deer Hunting Podcast. I'm your host, Clint Campbell, and you are listening to episode number 98, brought to you by Wicked Tree Gear. Today I'm joined by my good friend and hunting buddy, Wilson McSwain, and we're covering a lot of ground today in this one, everything from Alaska moose and bear to PA whitetails, so stay tuned. All right, all right. What is up, everyone? Happy Wednesday to you. I hope everyone's doing well out there. Hope everyone, I guess most seasons here are winding to a close. PA here for the gun season just ended. Um, I did get out and do just a little bit of hunting during the gun season with my bow. Now that I've been educated by one Johnny, Johnny Utah, who doesn't even live in Pennsylvania, for all my life I thought I couldn't hunt with a bow during rifle season for for whatever reason, or maybe it was just mentally, I, I was preferring to not go out, but I did pick up the bow, uh, headed out. I did see a, uh, a, a couple young deer, uh, a couple young bucks, um, nothing that was uh, shooter worthy. So we're on to the official late season or the second archery season, which will uh, kick in on December 26th, I guess is whenever, uh, is when it'll kick back in. So I'll be kind of taking a pause until then and uh, kind of regathering my wits and then trying to figure out what I'm going to do to make a, a, a late season push. This uh, I think this swamp is kind of dead uh, that I've been hunting. I know you guys, have been follow- those of you who have been following along, I was you know hunting this swamp and there was good deer in there. They kind of disappeared over the course of rut. Of course, I was gone during rut in Ohio, um, but did do a camera pull uh, this past week whenever I did get back in there. And the last... I guess the mature deer last showed up, I think it was the 23rd or the 24th of October. I got zero inventory of mature bucks during the course of rut, which was interesting because there's does that are in there. Um, and then I just did a camera pull this past weekend whenever I was hunting it on the, the, the last day of the PA gun season. And there was only one mature deer that showed back up, and that was on, I want to say, November 23rd. Um, so it doesn't look like this is going to be an area for late season. Of course, there's not a ton of food in there. Um, I don't really have any setups that are going to be close to food. So I kind of have to rethink my strategy, at least for around here. You know, there is the opportunity to head back to, to my dad's property and do some hunting. Cause there, there really wasn't much hunting that happened there this year. I hunted a couple days before I left for Ohio. He hunted one day during, during the gun opener. And we of course have a food plot there. So um, that's kind of what I'm thinking I might try to do is head back there after second season comes in and see if I can't get close to that food plot and, uh, 
and hopefully get a get an opportunity at one of the nicer deer that are on the property. It's I, I mentioned this to Wilson as we were recording this uh, podcast you're about to listen to. You know that it seems as though uh, that for whatever reason, even though we don't have a lot of pressure on that property, it seems like the deer just kind of disappear during gun season and then don't show back up really until um, late spring, early summer uh, on this pop- property particularly. So. Um, at least that's what the cameras told me last year. Um, you know, I'll still try to give it a hunt and see what happens, and 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 uh, hopefully I can make something happen. But what the cameras were telling me from last year, I don't have a whole lot of. Uh, I'm not. My, my hopes aren't super high. So you know, we'll still give it a try. And I got a couple doe tags yet to fill around here. Do do a little bit of urban hunting, you know, around the uh, the the Bucks County area where I live. See if I can't put a little bit more meat in the freezer before things are kind of a wash, and then you know it'll be on to uh, duck and goose hunting. But without further ado, uh, I have a good buddy Wilson on uh, today. I'm sure a lot of you have probably heard me talk about him, especially whenever I took my buddy Trevor out for his first hunt last spring, turkey hunting. Uh, Wilson was the, my buddy who I went with, who who kind of made that happen. Um, I do a fair bit of hunting with with Wilson. We do a fair bit of hanging out. Uh, we we typically hunt late season a good bit together, and then we do get into some goose and duck hunting after. Uh, after we're kind of done with uh, done with deer hunting, but Wilson's just a cool dude. We talk about how I how we kind of ran into each other, which was, um, you know, just out of the blue, uh, running into each other at a, at a trade show, and we just realized we live really close together, so we should probably start hanging out and shooting bows together and stuff like that. But uh, Wilson's a cool guy. Um, he's he's relatively newer to hunting. Um, you know, he's he's been hunting for a handful of years. Um, he came from the West Coast. And that really just kind of, he's one of those dudes, and I mentioned this when we're talking, it's um, for a dude who's been uh, hunting for as briefly as he has in comparison to, you know, a lot of other folks you might hear on this podcast or John or myself or whatever, I'm hard pressed to find a guy who is more ate up with it or picks stuff up more quickly than he does. Um, You know, his ability to kind of learn things, apply them, and then be successful is it's pretty astonishing. He's had a lot of success, uh, in, you know, in, in the recent past, and we're going to talk about some of those some of those hunts. But before we jump into all that, I'd like to take a quick second to talk about our partners to continue to help us make this podcast possible. First and foremost, we are brought to you by Wicked Tree Gear, the longest, lastest, fastest cutting, toughest tree trimming equipment you have ever used. Simply put, the toughest saws on earth. How tough are they? Tough enough to come with a lifetime warranty. And right now, when you visit wickedtreegear.com, use the promo code Truth at checkout and save yourself. 20% on your Wicked purchase. This would make a dandy stocking stuffer in the form of a handsaw or even just something under the tree with one of the pool saws. So go ahead and check that out. Use that discount code and uh, get a little Christmas shopping done. We're also brought to you by Exodus Outdoor Gear. The Trek comes in at $145 price point. The Trek camera has the same proprietary shell design as the Lift Series camera, same five-year warranty and unmatched customer service, photo, video, time-lapse, and hybrid modes, all with a simple, single-line backlit LED display. You also get about 20,000 images on one set of lithium batteries. And if you'd like to learn more about these cameras, uh, head over to exodusoutdoorgear.com and check them out. And if you like what you see, you can save yourself 20 bucks by using the promo code TRUTH at checkout. We're also brought to you by Glacier Coolers, simply the world's finest. Whether you're hunting, camping, or fishing, you'll enjoy smarter design, stronger construction, and superior insulation of Glacier Coolers. Visit them at glaciercoolers.com, promo code TRUTH at checkout, and save yourself 20%. These make killer Christmas presents. So make sure to use that code. We're also brought to you by Tecamani Seed. They have these uh, pounder versions of the of, of seed that would make great stocking stuffers here as well. I think just about every product that they have for the most part uh, comes in a pounder version. So sling a couple of those into some folks stock uh, stocking. So no matter if you're in the South, Midwest or Northeast, Tecamani Seed has your food plot needs covered. Visit them at tecamani.com. Check out their product selector tool 
help they'll help you pick the right product for your food plot needs use promo code truth at checkout and save yourself 20 percent. and now let's go ahead and get mr wilson mcswain on the line all right folks welcome back to another episode of the truth from the stand deer hunting podcast today i have my buddy with me who i've had to i've tried to have one for i don't even know probably like a year tried to have you on on and off um, you guys have heard of him. I've mentioned him many times on the on the show. He's a buddy of mine that I hunt a good bit with. We hunt turkeys together. I fail every time. <laughs> he seems to kill them when I'm not around. We he took me goose hunting for the first time and introduced me to that, which now has kind of turned into like a semi obsession during the during the late season. I actually started thinking of goose hunting while I was in a tree during the rut. Like it's almost kind of wrong, a little bit. But he is none other than uh, Wilson McSwain. What's going on, brother? Not much. It's good to be here. It's exciting. Good to be here. Good to be hot in hot toddy land. Yeah. Yep. It's freezing <laughs> cold outside, so we got warm hot tea. And you got a cute snowman on your mug I too. Got, I got the probably the cutest mug in your whole. Um, it's I, actually my daughter's mug. I gave it to you on purpose. I'm not allowed to say cute. My wife is gonna go. Don't talk like that. Don't talk like that. Yeah. You sound. Why aren't you allowed to say the word cute? I don't know. It's not manly. I guess. I don't know. Maybe. Oh man, I'm breaking. I'm not allowed to say that either. <laughs> you break uh, it. You're cute bre- is manly, and you guys can say cute. It's fine. Yeah, it's okay. We're trying to be gender yeah. neutral and and uh, what is that like non correct? Yeah, politically correct and and, and keep the uh, the peace in, at home. No, but it's good to be here. We have I've had a busy schedule. You've had a busy schedule, so it's finally good to clear some time and. Um, yeah, clear some time, man. You had a busy day. Like you just ran yeah. through your, you just ran through your day, and it started with deer hunting this morning. Yeah, hunting from six a.m. to noon. We killed four deer, and then I ran and pick up my son. Met the in-laws. Went and got their tree. Dropped my son off at home. Kissed my wife, and then went back out and hunted, and then drove here. So and then we cut some arrows. We cut arrows. We had some pizza, which you're. I had eggs in, which you're allergic to. I'm allergic to eggs, and you're trying to kill me. Um, <laughs> and we shot our bows, and now we're here. And now we're here doing a little podcast. So, I guess, man, let's, first let's start off with how, you know, let me back up for a second. So, the folks who listen to the podcast, like, there's all these friends that I do stuff with that they may or, or may not have ever seen, heard of, heard from, or whatever. You're definitely one of them. Uh, my other one I've talked about in the past is my buddy Luke Scheimer out in Montana, who I've hunted with. Which none of that he's never been on the show, but you know I mention him every so often. And it's always like interesting how you how you meet people, right? Because when I moved here to Philadelphia, I didn't know a single soul that hunted really. Um, was you know other than Phil, you know who you know Phil was a buddy of mine I originally started the podcast with back you know back in the day, and you and I never met. Ever. Nope, and. I was at. Do you remember how how we ran into each other? Yeah, I think it was my first year of living in Pennsylvania. I'm from Seattle. That's right. Yep. So I moved here. I didn't. I mean, I knew people who hunted. Definitely a lot of people who gun hunted in in our area. And everyone told me about this big outdoor show. Mm-hmm. And I'd never been to an outdoor show. I didn't know about an outdoor show. So I got in my car, bought a ticket, and drove out, and was. My mind was blown. Pennsylvania, <laughs> Harrisburg Outdoor Show. Yeah, yeah, Great American Outdoor Show. And um, I was buying a a saw. It was like the this guy was selling the, the world's lightest, most great, amazing saw you've ever seen. Yeah, what was that guy's name? 
I can't remember. He's got a beard and um, might, might that might that have been Johnny Utah? Yes, it was. <laughs> the guy said, the guy said, "Oh, this is Johnny Utah." And again, I'm this is my first year hunting. I don't know anyone in the hunting industry, or right. or I didn't know there was people in the hunting industry. I just thought it was. Dude's, I didn't know much about it. Dude, just go out and hunt. Yeah. He goes, "You don't know Johnny Utah," and I said, "No, I don't. I don't know you. I don't know Johnny Utah." And but this, I want to buy the saw because it was awesome. And um, I ended up meeting John, and this guy comes up and starts asking John questions, and then that's where that was you. Yep. And then we started talking about making arrows and public land, and you were talking about hunting in the saddle, like it, in the terrain, and I didn't even know what that meant. Right. So, yeah, it was cool. Yeah, it was. It's funny because I remember walking up and talking to John because John was someone who I I knew of. I didn't know John at that time. Like I, I, we may have, I think, maybe traded some social media messages back and forth at that point. And I was really kind of starting to come up to John, kind of wanting to talk to him about coming on and being a guest on the show, but also thinking about maybe, you know, him being on the show more often as a, as a co-host, which, you know, as fate would have it, it's kind of how it worked out. Yeah. And you're standing there and, and John, of course, at these shows is crazy busy because he's selling all kinds of products and stuff. Yeah. And, uh, and so you and I just kind of got to talking, and then, you know, of course, I kind of figured you were from Pennsylvania because we're in PA or at the Harrisburg Outdoor Show, you know. It's so like the, the center of the state, so. Right, yeah, so there's a good chance you're from PA. I know buddies of mine come down from New York and stuff like that, and it's, you know, there's plenty of people that travel to come to that show. But we start talking, and you, we mentioned that we were both from PA, and you'd mentioned that you were just moved here, and I was like, oh, where'd you move to? And you told me where you moved to, and I was like, dude, we basically live, like, right next to each other. And yeah, I, and I was like, "Sweet, I found someone else who likes to hunt that lives near me." Because at that point, Phil was literally the only person I knew in this area that that hunted. You know, I didn't have like a hunting buddy around here or anything like that. So, but it was interesting, man. Because I don't know, I've told many people, you know, that that you know, in talking to them, that they heard me talk about you, you know, sing your praises as that like how you just kind of dove in, man. <laughs> I was like, "There's not many people that I've met that are as ate up with hunting, and not just like I mean, you love deer hunting, and that's kind of like." Of course, what you and I are super passionate yeah. about, but like you will go literally hunt anything. Yeah, you know what I mean. It's like you just like to be like to be in the timber. Yeah, I like to be outside. I grew up in Seattle, but we lived in a small neighborhood. But my parents did the best job of. Um, we didn't go on big, great vacations. We just went camping. We started in a tent, got a pop up, then we, you know, got we made it in the world. We bought a motorhome, right, and yeah. drove across the country. But we spent all our vacation outdoors. And hunting was something I always thought was like something I would never be able to do, but I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, it was kind of always like this dream that was just outside of my reach because we grew up, you know, not too far outside of the city. There was no hunting. If you saw a deer, it was like, oh my goodness. Right. It was either dead on the side of the road or you were in the zoo. <laughs> right. <laughs> so it was a rarity. And um, moving to Pennsylvania definitely changed things. Um, I don't know if you want me to go into that, but yeah, yeah, yeah. My, I got, I started dating my now wife and came and visited her in Pennsylvania. And first thing my father-in-law was like, let's go side in some rifles. And I was like, I don't know what that means. So <laughs> like, so we go to this farm, basically in someone's backyard and we, all these guys are pulling out guns and I was like, what is happening? We shoot these rifles, side them in and, um, and it was great. So we get married, and my father-in-law 
bought me a shotgun for a wedding gift. And my dad never bought me a gun. And I always think it was because he was worried I would shoot myself on accident. Right. <laughs> right. And I always joke that my father-in-law bought me a gun so that I would, would shoot myself. Right. <laughs> right. Um, but no, he got me a shotgun. I was We were living in Seattle at the time. And I just said, what, what can I hunt? Right. And so I took a hunter safety course with my buddy and started shooting clays and found out there's lots of ducks in Washington. So we started right. hunting ducks. The first time I went duck hunting, I just had a pair of uh, camo denim pants and a camo jacket and a duck call in my pocket. And we ended up killing three ducks. And I knew from the moment I shot that duck, we took it home. We tried to figure out how to get the meat off. I cooked it and we ate it. It was like, I want to do this more. It was a good day. Yep. So I started yeah. networking, finding people who duck hunted, getting connected, and then ended up duck hunting a lot. Right. Um, and then fast forward, you're in PA, and then it just becomes like, you know, abundant game of a bunch of different varieties. Yep. You know, we took a, a trip here for Christmas, and my father-in-law took me out, and I shot a deer with a gun. Mm -hmm. And we butchered that, and I ate it, and it was like, I can get meat and bring it to my house, mm -hmm. and I can I can kill something bring it to my house and eat it and not only just eat it, but fully enjoy it was, I wanted to do, I wanted to do more. Right. And, um, yeah, it was, it was exciting to me. This unknown of being, finally having this dream that was tangible. Right. And being able to do it. It's funny that you mentioned that you thought it was just maybe out of, out of reach because that's also what, you know, for all of you out there listening, if you've not, you know, heard some of the previous podcasts where, you know, I, I was able to introduce a buddy of mine, Trevor, to hunting. Wilson is the person who helped me do that. Yeah. And so it's really interesting that you say that you thought that that was just possibly out of your reach because that's exactly what Trevor said, yep. you know, and that he was kind of like blown away that two dudes, one of which didn't know him at all, which was you, yeah. you know, he was like, hey, why don't you come out to my house, shoot some guns, it's teach you how to shoot a turkey, you know, yep. where you want to aim, teach you how we'll try to like, what the process is like and how we'll try to make this happen, um, which is kind of cool because, you know, you're a pretty thoughtful dude and you probably I would imagine you probably thought of that as we were going through that which was like here's a guy that has this idea that he would like to do something doesn't really have anyone to show him yeah. I also was in that situation let me help be the one who kind of gets him introduced yeah. into the woods because you're I mean your your work too is very giving that's what mm -hmm. you do for a living you yeah know what I mean so it's a uh, you know, it's you're you're always you always have people's best interests in mind, which is you know another reason why I like to, like to hang out with you. Yeah, Keep, keeps my keeps my negativity on the <laughs> on the even keel. Oh man, glass half with water in it, half with water in it. <laughs> yeah. Um. No. Yeah. When I started, I we didn't I didn't know anyone that hunted. Um. That I thought that I knew of. Right. Now comes come to see down the road, I actually did know a bunch of people that hunted, but since it wasn't something I was doing, I was not connected with them. Yeah. And so I had to, we did it all ourselves, the hunter safety, the finding some public land to go duck hunting on. Someone told us that people were going to show up early. Should we get there at midnight, sleep in our cars to get a spot? And, um, ended up actually someone shot across the water. And the first time out I got peppered with, um, with a duck <laughs> you load. Never, you never told me that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sitting there. We didn't have any decoys and, uh, a duck landed on the water that we never saw and I didn't know if you could shoot a duck off the water so we're trying to wait for it to fly and this guy was across the pond maybe maybe 70 yards and he shoots this duck off the water and the pellets kind of ricochet up and hit my coat actually ripped my coat on the one side 
I stand up. I'm like, hey, I'm over here. <laughs> and I was like, maybe I don't want to hunt. Maybe this is terrible. Maybe and, this is uh, a bad idea. Ended up, yeah, but we didn't have anyone to show us the way. And so now um, it's so one of the be- biggest blessings in hunting for me is being able to bring someone into that to say, you know what? Yeah. I know what you're going through. I don't have all the answers, but I can help you get started. Right. Um, so I've gotten to see. You know, I got to take my mom hunting. Um, see my mom shoot her very she, first deer. Yeah, because she killed a deer last year, right? Yeah, she's yeah. killed two deer. Um, she she was just left last week, and she wanted to kill a buck, and she didn't kill a buck this time. But she shot two deer now. Um, got to take my wife hunting for the first time. She ca- killed a, a nice buck on her second sit ever after 45 minutes. Yeah. Um, How does that make you feel? That's great. She said, <laughs> hunting is so easy. Why do you do it so much? Um, but, yeah, I got to take my other buddy we got duck hunting together and there's been quite a few guys now that I've gotten to get out into the woods and just get exposed. Right. And then you kind of let the boat sail and let them take it mm-hmm. to where they want. But man, I love getting people in the woods. Yeah. I'm looking forward. Well, like I mentioned, I'm looking forward to, to, you know, to, to waterfowl season coming yep. back in. Um, I just really like that time of year. Cause I think, you know, partially it's just, there's no pressure. Yep. You know what I mean? Where it's like, I know you and I grind pretty hard during yeah. the deer season trying to get after it. And it's, as everyone out there listening does too, it's like, we're not, it's not like we're doing anything different than a lot of guys do, but, um, do when, when duck season comes in and deer season's finally done, it's like, it's that type of hunting. Like I enjoy and love deer hunting, but there's also a little part of me when it's just ends where I'm like, yeah, all right. You get to take a breath for a second. That lasts probably all like two weeks. And then I'm like, I'm like, I can't wait for deer season to come back in. But you know, hunting waterfowl is a nice kind of, is a nice break. And Trevor wants to hunt. Like yeah. He's been asking me. Well, I haven't talked to him in probably like a month or two. But every time we talk, he, he asks about, you know, duck hunting and when, when that comes in. And are we going to do that this year? And so we definitely have to get him out because yep. he's uh, he's itching to get back in, the, uh, back in the woods, which is cool. As you said, you just kind of give them a little bit of leash and let them yep. kind of take off, you know. Yeah, people need to help um, building a, a foundation. And I think once they have their foundation it's good to have them do what they want with it because mm-hmm. some people are just going to want to get out on a weekend yeah. and hunt or go up to the mountains and, and try to rifle hunt or whatever it might be to let them develop that platform, but have their foundation and platform be solid one. Yeah. And one of like respecting animals, respecting the woods and being like a woodsman, not just being out there to just whack, whack an animal, you know? Right. Right. But to give them that solid foundation of men, this is why we do it, and now you take it where you want. Because not everyone has to be like me or you, where we're obsessed doing yeah. things that you're like, man, that's just doesn't seem normal. You're right. like, I gotta kill this deer, and, right? And um, not everyone has to be like that, and yep. it's okay. Yep. Um, and I think it would, I would feel bad if I was putting off that vibe, like you have to hunt like this, because yep. you don't, like. Yep. But as long as you have this foundation of respect and and. Have an understanding of what it's all about. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like that's the most, to me, that's the most important thing is just to make sure someone walks away with understanding, you know, the, the ethical side of it, you know, why it's important, Mm -hmm. um, you know, the respect aspect of it, the, the deep heritage, especially, you know, Pennsylvania, every most, you know, whitetail states have some type of heritage, whether it's like deer camps or, you know, Michigan, you have the, the, the buck poles or the deer poles or whatever, you know what I mean? Um, you know, whatever, whatever it is, as long as they have an understanding of those things and then they can kind of take it from there and do with it, yeah. whatever it is they're going, whatever they're going to do. It's not like they have to be in the tent. If they only go out one weekend a year, then 
awesome. You yeah. I mean, like that's, that's, if that's, you know, their, if that's their goal, then so be it. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's, it's better than that than, than not going out at all. Yeah. I guess is, is, is kind of how I look at it. But before we continue our conversation, let's talk about Wicked Tree Gear saws. Hardcore deer hunters need hardcore tools. Do yourself a favor and check out Wicked Tree Gear, the toughest hand saws and pull saws on earth. You buy it once, you buy it for life, backed by a lifetime guarantee. Right now, if you use the promo code TRUTH, you'll save 20% on your next purchase with free ground shipping. So head over to wickedtreegear.com and get a saw that's tough enough to work as hard as you hunt. I want to shift gears here, man, real quick and talk just a little bit about um, hot toddies <laughs> and how they're life-changing. So we're, we're as you guys are listening to this, well, not as you're listening to it because this is pre-recorded, of course, but um, we are currently enjoying a hot toddy, and this is Wilson's first hot Wilson's first hot toddy. How how you liking it so far? It's good. Um, both my kids are at home with a cold, and my wife is getting a little sick. And I was literally outside all day today. I think I think it was eighteen degrees this morning. Yeah, it was twenty five when I got back to the truck after the hunt. This oh, after this, this it evening. was a cold day, so it's um, it's an it's a good hot tea warm you up. Yeah, it's good. Yeah. So my if anyone out there listening, my uh. My recipe is, uh, you know, some type of, you know, Earl Grey ish tea. I know diddly squat about tea. And I'll be the first one to mention. <laughs> it's it got leaves. It's in a bag. <laughs> it's got and... leaves. It smells kind of herbal. Um, and then this one particularly has um, some Hudson bourbon in it. Uh, some Hudson baby bourbon. That's from Hudson Valley Distillery in New York, which is a small batch. Um, a little craft distillery. It's not so little anymore. At one point it was. And uh, two squeezes of lemon and... A whole uh, lot of honey. A whole lot of honey because <laughs> we lax the honey. I don't know, man. I, I really never... So bartending for the longest time that I did as I was going, finishing school and in a band and stuff like that, I used to make a lot of hot toddies. Okay. Never drank them for whatever reason, you know. Um, I never really... Megan, when she would get sick, she would always ask me to make them because I, I bartended. I could make a pretty good hot toddy, so I'd make one for her. And whenever I would get sick, she's like, why don't you have a hot toddy? I'm like, nah, I don't know. I don't really want a hot toddy because I hate tea. Like, okay. I don't like tea. And so I just assumed it would kind of taste like tea, and I didn't want it. And so my first hot toddy was literally like two weeks ago where I was like, yeah, I'll try one. Oh, for real? Oh, yeah. yeah. You're talking like you've been drinking them your whole life. Well, I, I have been. Deceived. Just not hot toddies. Oh. No. <laughs> I think I, I don't want to lead you astray i think at one point i might have had one i was super sick when i was visiting pennsylvania once and i think my mother-in-law was like you should get a hot toddy and it just didn't it was weird i was like i don't doesn't sound right it doesn't it just doesn't seem like i should i I cannot remember if i had one or not but anyways it wasn't life-changing right this one's life this one's (laughs) life-changing yeah it's weird like i and now we're getting off on a tangent on hot toddies like this turned into the hot toddy podcast the uh, <laughs> oh, the uh, like, I don't know. I I don't. I really like them. I for me a hot toddy. Getting a cold now has just become an excuse to have a hot toddy. It's like if I yeah. feel even slightly. I refuse to get sick. If you ask my wife, she kind of gets sick of it. But I will not get sick. If I'm sick, if I ever get sick, I still will not admit it. It's like this piece of me that says mentally if you if you say if you admit you're sick your body just takes over and i could be sick as a dog and i will go i'm not sick and i just i, I won't take days off i'll 
contaminate everybody in the office because I'm like, <laughs> I'm not sick. I'm not going home. I'm not weak. Um, so me, on the other hand, I'm like, man, I'm sick. I'm staying home today. <laughs> like, it's like, oh, man. like can't come in. <laughs> yeah, growing up, it was like that. Every one one day a week, I was like, I'm sick. I got to stay home from school. But those are the days. I, those are the days I have to stay off of Instagram because I was sick, but I was yeah. also in a tree. Yeah. Like, <laughs> it's like, why weren't you at work today? Oh, I was sick. <laughs> I got a little more sick because I was in 18 degree weather yeah. on the side of a tree on the side of a mountain. Yeah. But that's what they make sick days for. Yep. But uh, speaking of, of of hunting, being on on mountains, man, I want to dive into a little bit of what you know you've been, you've been up to, you know, because we'll we'll get into deer hunting, man. But we were talking just earlier when we were upstairs eating about uh, you know we're having this bougie party that that we invited you and your missus to, yeah, for uh, this uh, it's like it's a wine. I'll just tell everyone what it is. It's a wine tasting that we're doing uh, with this you know, local um, winery and. It's, I forget what the name of it is. I think it might be called One Hope Wine. I think is what it's called. So we'll just give them a plug because they're kind of cool. Um, but what they do is, is like you do a wine party with them and then whatever people buy during that wine party, they come in and do a tasting, provide a bunch of wine. And whatever people buy from that party, they basically then take a portion of the proceeds. I forget what percent it is. And then they allow you, the, the party host, to decide what, you know, nonprofit or, you know, some type of charitable organization you'd like to donate a percentage of the sales too or whatever. Yeah. So for us, it's like we're donating it to a conservation organization. And so we decided to do a, um, a wine tasting and a wild game tasting. So we were upstairs talking about, cause you know, I've got some venison, I've got some duck, I've got some goose. Um, we'll of course slay a few more geese and stuff yep. before the party. Yeah, for sure. But you gave me a bunch of moose meat Yeah. that I made some soup out of and ate some just moose meat straight, but also made, a vegetable soup out of it that was like the best stinking meat that I think I may have ever eaten. Like I like elk meat. Yeah. Like, that's really good. But I think I actually like moose meat a little bit better. And you got it when you were in Alaska with your, with your father in law, father in law. Right? Yeah. yeah. So how did that trip come about? Like what was the, what was the Genesis for that? Last, uh, let's see here. January, March, last March, my mother-in-law calls me. Actually, I was buying my bow. I was buying, I was at an archery shop buying my bow that I shoot right now. And she called me and said, Hey, I want to do a big birthday present for, um, my husband. So my father-in-law for his 50th birthday. And I want to send you guys hunting somewhere. Like I want you guys to go on a hunt somewhere. And I instantly said, well, let's go to Alaska and shoot a moose. And she kind of paused and was like, uh, are you serious? I said, yeah, I'll literally, I'll make a call right now and we'll make it happen. Um, I always wanted to go to a lot. I, I went to Alaska the previous year mm-hmm. and, and duck hunted and salmon fish with my buddy. And so I said, we'll go to Alaska. So I made a call to a friend who lives in Alaska and, um, he owns a plane and I said, Hey, can, can we come moose hunt with you? They moose, his family moose hunts every year. They mm-hmm. shoot a moose. They, not everyone in the family shoots moose. It's kind of, moose is a lot of meat. So it goes around. Right. Um, and it's this tradition they always do. I said, is there any way we can bum a ride? And it turned out that they weren't all going that year. I think some people were staying home and he said, yeah, absolutely. So within a matter of, I want to say an hour, I'd planned a moose hunting trip. Nice. And, uh, so my father-in-law's birthday was in May and we got him a, a backpacking backpack, trekking poles, get a bunch of this outdoor stuff that anyone from Pennsylvania does not need. And he was so confused. I said, what are we doing? And I said, well, 
we're going to fly to Alaska and kill a moose. That's awesome. Yeah, and he was, <laughs> you know, his... Did he lose it? Was he like, are you kidding me? He didn't even quite understand. He was like, are you for real? I said, yeah, we're going to go out. Um, my buddy's going to fly us out. We're going to camp and live off a freeze-dried food and try to kill a moose. And so the whole goal was for him to shoot a moose, and um, I was just going to be there. And I, I ended up, I was like, well, I'll, I'll get a tag too. My buddy said, yeah, you got to get a tag. In Alaska, you can use your moose tag for anything of lesser monetary value. Okay. So at the time, if you get a moose tag, which is one of the more expensive tags, you can shoot anything that has a value less. So like black bear was on there. Like you couldn't right. shoot a grizzly bear or like a doll sheep or a mountain goat because those were cost more. And so we were we flew into a unit that had a, you don't need a guide a registered guide for in Alaska. There's a few units that you don't need a guide for. Mm-hmm. And um, kind of in short of it, the first day we couldn't get up to the hill that we were trying to land on because of the fog. So we landed down on this river, and we're down on this sandbar, this gravel bar, like a floodplain, and we're going to set up the tent. And there's moose tracks everywhere. There's bear tracks. I'm like, we're gonna we're gonna sleep down here. And it was his first realization of, I'm in the wilderness. Right. You can't just drive home. Right. You can't go to the store. To, you know, there's no, your mom's not here to give you a hug and tuck you in. It was this first realization of like, I'm out. I'm out here. Right. And it's raining. And it did not stop raining. Nice. So the next day we hunted around. Um, finally, the weather cleared up after the next day. And we got to go up to the hill, probably eight miles away. And you can't hunt the same day that you fly. So as soon as right. you land, yep. you can't hunt. Yep. And so we set up the tent, and we just start glassing this valley, and there's a moose over here, there's a moose over here, there's a bear over here. They were like, yeah, we saw some wolves over here the other day. And I'm like, I am out in Alaska in the wilderness where maybe someone's never been before, you know? Yep. So it was just such a cool experience. My father-in-law ended up the next day shooting a 65 inch moose um 65 inches wide so where we're mm-hmm. at you have to the bull has to be either 50 inches wide at its widest points or it has to have three brow tines on one side now it's hard to judge 50 inches out there when right. the moose is a mile and a half away you're like does that look like 50 inches i don't know 49 and a half <laughs> right so you're looking for three brow tines and we we hunted this moose all day long and finally um it's bedded down at 500 yards and my father oh, is this is this a gun hunt? This is a gun hunt. Okay. Yeah, I had my bow. Yep. Um, my father-in-law had a gun, and so this moose is bedded at 500 yards, and we're sitting there waiting for it to stand up. And all of a sudden, I look in front of us, and 90 yards in front of us is this giant grizzly bear. To me, he looked like he was like 5,000 pounds. He was right. huge. You know, I'm like, right. there's a huge bear. My buddy Phil, who's an Alaskan, knows a bear when he sees it, and right. he, he said it was about a nine foot long grizzly bear. Right. Big boar. It walks over this little cedar tree, like a five foot tree. It just pushes it over and scratches his belly, coming right at us. And I'm like, Phil, shoot this thing. <laughs> he goes, No, if we shoot it, the moose is gonna get away. I'm like, Who cares about the moose? Kill right. this, this bear's gonna kill yeah. us. <laughs> right. So he goes, I'm gonna I'm gonna make some noise and let us let it know we're here. Right. I'm like, that's like the worst thing you could do. Right. You're gonna let this bear know that we're here. Dinner's here. Yeah. <laughs> so he starts making his moose sounds, you know, these cow sounds and it sees us. I think the wind was swirling a little bit. He caught our wind, and he ran out of there, but he ran right at the moose. The moose ends up standing up, walking to about 440 yards, and my father-in-law put a shot right behind his shoulder, right into the 
heart of this moose and the moose just turned around and stood there and I'm like shoot this thing again so he shoots it on the other side exact same spot like if you put a dot on a moose where you want to shoot it that's where he hit and the moose took about two steps to the left and and expired and we all looked at each other did that just happen did that just happen a bear (laughs) comes at us I'm freaking out I'm from city of Seattle or right outside of Seattle you don't see grizzly bears. I'm like, <laughs> right. we almost died. Right. And Phil was like, it's normal, dude. Bears are everywhere. And now we got this moose, and and it stopped raining. The sun came out, and it was just one of the most amazing days of hunting. Right. I'd only been hunting for not, almost two years at the point. And, right. And I got to be in Alaska to see this uh, moose get shot, a trophy moose get shot. And um, it's not until you get the hide off of it you realize, man, we got a lot of meat. And we're right. wow two miles from our tent downhill so it's all uphill hike i think we did 11 man trips of meat wow. um yeah it's no joke that's crazy man 11 yeah. trips when they say the work begins the work begins i yeah. mean at one you know you got a, sh- a moose sh- front shoulder 120 pounds a moose hindquarter you know we're generously 150 pounds right that's more than most average whitetails in pennsylvania on your back yeah and At you got time. your gear, you got your bow, you got your camera gear, you got your poles. I mean, every step is grueling. And so we had we took two days to pack this moose out. And then you go, all right, let's do it again. And so we went out in search of a moose for myself. And Now, you were still with your bow, right? Yeah, I had my bow. Uh, my father-in-law still had his gun in case something changed. And we called a moose in the next morning, actually. And... Um, he came into about 300 yards, and he only had two brow tines on each side, and I couldn't tell if he was 50 inches or not. Wait, you didn't have your tape measure with you? I did not have my tape measure. <laughs> and it was it was stinky because he was in the perfect spot to for a bow hunt. And really? um, the wind was perfect. The hillside was perfect. And um, you just couldn't tell if he was legal. And you're not going to make that chance call and hope he's legal. Right. Um and don't need to be paying any fines no yeah and so we hunted around that was our last full day to hunt and right at the end of the day um we kind of stumbled on a bear and the bear was probably at 700 yards tried to get down into bow range and we couldn't we lost the bear we couldn't find him and my father-in-law goes he's right there and he had stood up in this kind of willow patch and i grabbed the gun and got a rest and shot my first bear it was that's awesome. Yeah, man. about 120 yards, and the, the light was fading, and it was it was a perfect end to a trip. We both filled our tags. Um, nice. Very very rewarding. Right. So, Alaska. What part of Alaska was uh, were you in? We were north of Anchorage, south of um, Denali National Park. Okay. So, not like way out there but still right. farther in the wilderness Dude, than i've ever been being in alaska in general yeah you're way out there yep you know i was in prince of wales island okay is where i was hunting and that was probably the most remote that i've ever been yeah you know that was um i mean you can only get to it by ferry yeah or you know or by pontoon plane you know the only two yeah. ways to get in and uh it's i think like it's, there's 400 people that live there at the yeah. time like total you know so there's no people anywhere and you're literally what you were saying where it's like you know you're walking places where you're like 
there may not have ever been people who have walked here before. Yeah. You know what I mean? Type of thing, which is really kind of, uh, it's, it's a little kind of an uneasy feeling and kind of a cool feeling at the same time. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's, it's humbling to be in a place that's so big and knives, machetes, saws, and shears, multi-tools, shovels, swords, axes, spears, hatchets, and tomahawks. If it cuts, snips, slices, or chops, Midway USA has it. Find great gift ideas in our huge selection of pocket knives and other everyday carry folding knives. Make a statement or create a family legacy with one of our top-of-the-line hunting knives. We've got a great selection of manual and electric sharpeners, too. For just about everything for the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. All of a sudden, you feel small, and you're like, man, I'm, I'm a tiny little person on a huge world. Oh, yeah. It's like if that grizzly bear just decided, like, yeah, I'm going to yeah. eat you. You yeah. know what I mean? It's like it, it's like the that wilderness would have kept going. Yeah. People say <laughs> it's a small world. I'm like, God, go to Alaska and look around. Or like, we're overpopulated. Drive through Nebraska or right. something. It's like, <laughs> right. well, we got lots of space. You know? <laughs> right, right. Exactly. Not that we should fill those spaces up with homes, but right. we got a lot of space that's, yeah. that I want to get out to and see. Yeah. That's, I, I hear you there, man. It's like yeah. I just... It's funny because someone asked me at one point what uh, – they're like, you always seem to go somewhere different every year to hunt. Like even just whitetails, yeah. for example. They're like – it's like you never hunt the same place year over year. Like I'll hunt the same places in Pennsylvania and stuff like that. But, you know, the areas that I travel to are often not the same every year. Now, this year I went back to a similar place in Ohio that I've been previously. But next year I'm going to Iowa, which is I've never been to before. Yeah, And I was like – because I like to just see new stuff. Yeah. You know, I was like, not that I've mastered one particular area or yeah. anything like that. It's not, it's not that. I was like, I just want to see what other things have to offer. You know, what yeah. I mean? it's like one of my goals, one of my bucket list goals is to hunt whitetails in every big buck state. Yeah. You know, notice I said hunt and not kill. Yeah. Right. Cause I may not chase. Kill. Yeah, I want to chase. Yeah. I just want to go experience it. Yep. You know what I mean? See what and see what happens. You know, and if it's really good, maybe I'd like to go back a second time. You yep. know what I mean? But it's like that's kind of like my bucket list is, you know, is to do that. Definitely want to get back to Alaska. Yeah, you know, would love to do. You know, we were just talking about this before when we were upstairs. It's like I would like to do a moose trip at some yeah. point. You know, because like I said, man, that moose meat was good. And oh like yeah, to, man, I'd like to was... fill the freezer with that. Ooh, yeah, we brought home I think about three hundred and fifty pounds and and left meat with my buddy there as well and man every time people eat it they go this is great what is this and you say oh it's a moose oh where'd you get a moose in alaska how'd you get it home like put it on the plane and flew it home we say and i think i realized this on this trip is we say no so much in life to to things that we think are out of reach oh yeah uh no that's too far it's too expensive or or no, I don't think I'd be able to do that. Well, I think for for me, hunting has really taught me that those things that are out of reach are not out of reach. Yeah, you just gotta try a little harder. They're only out of reach because you allow them. To yeah, be. you know yep. what I mean. It's like you've decided yep. that it's out of reach. Yeah, if you don't yeah. have time, well, maybe you need to get rid of some things in life yep. to make time. I mean, when I started hunting, I mean, snowboarding was my life. I loved. I did Eric. I always got season passes. I was always snowboarding, and I realized, man. I got so much more enjoyment and fulfillment out of hunting, so I gave up snowboarding. Yep. My wife was like, you're not going to snowboard anymore? I was like, no. I actually just sold, got rid of my last piece of snowboarding equipment actually two weeks ago, 
and I because I wanted to make time for for something I valued. Yeah, you know, if something's a little too expensive, change change your priorities, change your budget, work yep. a side job. Yep, and yep. Um, sell some stuff. Yep, and and make it happen because I think the more we say no, the more we get jealous of other people. Yep, the more we we regret these decisions as we get older. I yep. mean, the first year I started hunting. I got to hunt Washington, Minnesota, Kansas, and Pennsylvania. The very first year I started hunting. That's a good run, man. Because I just said yes. I got to hunt ducks in Washington. I went on a bear hunt in Washington. I saw a bear about 15 yards. I saw his head. But I had all the research I had said, you got to shoot him behind the shoulder. Mm-hmm. And so all my buddies were like, why didn't you shoot him? I said, well, I never saw the vitals. They're like, well, you could shot him in the chest. You could have shot him. They listed all these kill right. shots. And I didn't know, and they were all upset at me. And then, but you did the right thing though in that instance because yeah. you weren't sure. Yeah, I wasn't you know sure, I mean? so, so I didn't make the decision. Yep. Man, I watched so many YouTube hunting videos and some good ones, some bad ones. Right. Then I moved to Pennsylvania, so I drove across the country and bought a tag in Minnesota where my uncle lives. He sent me out back his house up into a tree stand with a bow that my wife had bought that I was shooting. I could shoot well, but draw length wasn't right. The arrows weren't right. right. I didn't. Everything was wrong, but I'd practiced, and right. I knew up to 15 yards I was good. Right. And um, Walmart arrows, Walmart broadhead, everything was just legit, right. dude. Right. <laughs> and uh, nothing wrong with Walmart broadheads. I'm sure right. they do fine. And then I moved to Pennsylvania, and my buddy who I was working with said, hey, do you want to come to Kansas and hunt turkeys? My In my mind, I was like, no. Right. Why would I want to kill a turkey? Right. <laughs> like, I don't like turkey. <laughs> <laughs> and B, it just how hard is it to shoot a turkey on the ground? Right. We went to this tiny little town, town in Kansas um, with about 98 people in it. And the first morning we went out, and he he does an owl hoot locator call, and this bird gobbles. And I was hooked. Yeah. I'm like, you just did that one thing, and that bird gobbled? He goes, dude, this is nothing. Sun's coming up. These jakes, these small birds come up, gobbling at our feet. And I'm like, can I shoot one? He goes, no. We'll shoot a big bird. I shoot a, a tom later in the day, and man, there was there's nothing like it for me calling yeah. in a turkey and shooting it. I ended up shooting another one. I got two tags, so I shot another bird um, two days later because my buddy shot one and I shot one, and then his brother shot one, and I think he shot another one, and his dad shot one. Um, it was just a crazy trip for turkeys. We all filled our tags, and then I came back home. And that week that I came home, I'd never hunted turkeys by myself. I killed two turkeys because I had bought my turkey license and before turkey season starts you can actually get your second here in mm-hmm. Pennsylvania so yeah. I got my second turkey tag thinking that oh I'm going to shoot two turkeys I called in two birds <laughs> basically my second and fourth hunt by myself and I killed four turkeys my first year now it wasn't like oh, I'm the best turkey hunter but I just was in the right place at the right time and I just got out there right and here I am zero turkeys ever I've yeah. missed more I've missed more turkeys you've ki- how do I say this that it's more demeaning to me is what I'm trying to figure out <laughs> <laughs> you've I've missed more turkeys than than you've killed at this point probably you know to I mean? just yeah. like I don't know what it is I, I have I'm turkey challenged yeah you know but that's the one thing I was talking about earlier I wanted to mention earlier it's like you know it, it's it's like we met, you know, and you you were early in hunting, but like you were one of the few dudes that I know who just like in in talking to you, it's like you would in hunting with you too. It's like would never know that you didn't grow up with it. 
Yeah. You know what I mean? Because it's just like... It's my beard, isn't it? It's, it's, your, it's your beard. And, yeah, exactly. It's your beard. It's your beard and your hot toddy, actually. Yes. Yeah. It's, uh, but it's just like, dude, you're ate up with it, man. So it's yeah. like you're just always... You're always learning about it. You're always... Like, you never say no, so you're always willing to try new stuff. Yep. You know, try new a new call, a new technique, a new yep. something. You know what I mean? And the thing is, is like what makes you different than I think a lot of people is that, you know, you'll learn something and then you don't just wait to like, oh, maybe I'll try that sometimes. Like you learn it and then you go and you apply it like, yeah. almost immediately. You know what I mean? I don't know how many times you've called and been like, I just saw this thing. I learned this call. <laughs> I got up this morning and I went out at like 6 a.m. or 5 a.m. before it got light out and I went to the edge of this field and I just called turkeys, you know, before yeah. the season would open, you would just call and try to figure out where they were roosting and stuff like that. And you're like, I'm trying this and I'm trying this. Yeah. And I've located this flock here and this flock <laughs> here. He's like, and then I went to work and then I went back out in the evening. Yeah. And I'm like, as I'm like, man, I just kind of feel bad. I was like, cause that dude is just like, <laughs> like putting way more out there than I yeah. am. You know what I mean? But you know, it's a, uh, I don't know, man, I always enjoy hearing your, your expeditions and stuff like that. Yeah. Cause you just like all season long, it's like, we'll call or text and you'll be like, I'm in New York. Yeah. You know, hunting, like yeah. I got to go to New York last year and, and get my, one of my best friends from Washington ended up moving to Pennsylvania. Man, I don't know how long ago, a year and a half or two years ago now. And he's butchering deer. Um, and he wanted to kill a bird. And I found some guy mentioned to me once that he had property in New York. So I called him. I'm like, do you have turkeys there? And he goes, tons of turkeys. And I said, can, can I go hunt it? New York's a place where you can drive up, buy a tag and hunt. So we drove up, never been there. We all bought tags, and my buddy killed a turkey first day, and uh, poured rain. <laughs> nice. Um, I think it's my Washington. Everywhere I go, it just rains. Right. So I had to get good rain gear. But yeah, so I got to go to New York, and we'll go back there next year. And mm -hmm. um, for me, that you know, not saying no also goes along with relationships. It, it's kind of for me where I'm at in my life is. I have to weigh the relationship. Is this like a, is this solely personal mm -hmm. or am I building relationships? Am I growing friendships? I think with you, it's, I'd met you and I'm like, man, this guy's cool. Um, we seem to get along and I, we started messaging over Instagram, which yep. me, I went through this phase where I was for about a year, I was applying for every field staff position, every you know, quote unquote pro staff position I could with any company, any, anything out there that said field staff or pro staff, I was applying for mm -hmm. because I had thought that that was my next step. All right. right. I've killed some deer. I've killed some turkeys. I killed some ducks. You know, I had this checklist and I'm like, now I got to get on a quote unquote field staff because right. I'm seeing these guys who are got this list of sponsors that you've never heard of. Mm -hmm. And, and they're no offense, but they're not giving hunters a good name. They're not, harvesting animals they're not representing they're, the yeah. right way yeah and so i said well man i feel like i got things going on and i think things are going my way so i'm gonna i'd applied my brains out and one of the texts was to you i'm like well he's got a podcast not mm -hmm. that i wanted to I'm like no i just want to get on the podcast or anything but i was like i should reach out because we are close and you mm -hmm. said let's shoot bows together yep and i was like man that's cool and i never hung out with you and you said meet me at this train station right. and bring your bow Right. I told my wife, I said, I'm going to go meet some stranger at a train station. <laughs> if I don't come back tonight, I will share a pin where my car is and you can track right. me. 
and you took me to some gated wooded location and i'm like this is the end right and because i got in your car with you we, we rode right. to the archery uh, yep. outdoor archery range and yeah man we shot bows all day and yep that was that was like the kickstart we we're talking about yep. hunting and life and kind of just all things outdoor yeah man i mean and that's that was like a kickstart to our relationship and i really um it was awesome. Yeah, man. I mean, that's for me is um, I can't think of a hunting relationship. And I won't even call it a hunting relationship or I'll say a, a relationship that was originally built on hunting. Yeah. Because right? our relationship is, you know, beyond hunting at this point. Right? Yep. Yeah. But it's um, I'm always just one of those people where it's like, well, let's just go do this. Yep. Let's just yeah. go hang out. Because I could have said, man, I'm nervous. I don't want to. I don't know this guy. I don't shoot my bow very well because I'd only been shooting for a little over a year and a half at that point. And it was like, oh, yeah, I'll say yes. I was super intimidated. And then I'm like, man, you're a normal guy. You normal know? dude, man. Yeah. And, um, <laughs> and it was it was great. Yeah, I mean, it's it's always nice to I – mean, that's the cool thing about hunting is it, I feel like it brings people together. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And – um to me, that's probably one of the most important things that it can do. Because I always say, man, like this, like I've, I've had a, a good run with the podcast and like doing it and, and stuff like that. And, you know, I get the, the best, I guess the biggest thing and the best thing that I get out of it or have gotten out of it, you know, is just all the cool people that I get to meet, to, yeah. to meet and do stuff with. You know what I mean? It's like, and it's, and not, um, not saying that it's like I have some type of extra privilege or whatever. Yeah. It's just that. It's given me the opportunity to create a relationship or a dialogue yeah. with someone who I may not meet. And that doesn't mean like, you know, a Dan Enfold or like guys that people know. Yeah. Right. It's more of the guys that people don't know. That you need know I mean? to, they need to know. <laughs> right, that they need to yeah. know. Right. Exactly. It's like, because dude, like you haven't been hunting for 40 years, but dude, you, you ground check a lot of animals. Yeah. You know what I mean? And you do it the right way and, and you're hardcore and you, yeah. you know, you have a, a passion for it and you hunt ethically and all the things that are, are right mm-hmm. with the way someone would hunt is, you know, is how you do it. Then there's guys like Greg Litzinger, which more and more people know are knowing about him, yeah. you know, but still it's like, if you're talking about guys who are on the, on people's radar and those who aren't, you know, it's like, yeah. he would, he's, he's a normal dude. You yeah. know what I mean? Then Tim Bunau, Yep. I think I said his name right, but now, if, Tim, if you're listening, sorry, I butchered your name. Ben Woe. Ben Woe. <laughs> Tim, you're bougie. If you're listening, Tim, you're bougie. Um, but no, that dude is a, he's a monster, man. Yeah. You know what I mean? And people will look and say, well, doesn't put a lot, maybe he doesn't put a bunch of deer on the ground as someone yeah. else, right? But it's like, look at the places he's hunting, man. Yeah. Like, and he's being selective. Yep. You know what I mean? Like, he's not, he's not just going out willy nilly and, yeah. you know, arrowing the first thing that walks by him or whatever. Yep. You know what I mean? It's like, and then my my buddy Tom Titlow, you know, he lives he lives around here, which we'll have to hook up sometime yeah. and hang out. But he has a, a podcast called Relive the Hunt. Yep, super cool dude. Yeah. He's from around here. Again, a guy that like great. I follow, hunter. I follow him on Instagram. Yeah, he's I good, didn't know who that was. Yeah, he's a good photographer too. Yeah, yeah, which yeah, yeah. Probably will, might have been how you first kind of found. Yeah, him I think so. Me, but uh, good photographer, you know, just awesome dude. You know, so he, he's another dude around here. And then there's guys like Mike Perry that's out around like Erie, okay. you know, or Pittsburgh area. Like I met him through the hunting beast forum, you yep. know, super cool dude. If anyone hasn't seen the monster that he killed this year in Ohio, that deer was what it was. It He texted, I was in Ohio hunting and he texted me and said, Hey, it was this deer called boss hog. And I'll try to have him on at some point so he can talk about it. But I want to say that deer was eight and a half years old. 
he started hunting him in 2012. Wow. Wasn't the only deer he hunted because he'd never, I think he either never or only ever saw the deer one time in daylight on a trail camera until he killed him. It was the second time he ever seen him. Wow. Yeah. From 2012 to, to 2018. And he was a two and a half year old when he first saw him. I think he, I'm, I'm just kind of guess they made it here but yeah, i assume yeah. it was a nice deer he probably yep. didn't chase him hard because maybe he you know wasn't yeah. a mature deer and then as he matured you know obviously yeah. he was on the list and wasn't able to catch up with him and whatever but that thing is just all white-faced rack is all gnarly that's it's just awesome. like he's a big eight point just like he's a freak show you that's know? awesome but uh but yeah man i mean there's a ton of like that's the coolest thing about doing this is being able to meet cats like that, going to Toady Archery Challenge and shooting with dudes yeah. like that, you know what I mean? One day I will get out there every year. Yeah, why didn't you go last year? I forget why. Uh, my wife's cousin got married. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a great wedding. I was there. Yeah. yeah. You were there? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it was a great... Uh, if you're listening... <laughs> it was great. It was, it was a great wedding. Yes. I, don't, I couldn't have I'm thought I'm so of happy for you. Yeah. Um, I can't, the year before or something... You know, had got planned, but this year I'm going. All right, we're going this year. <laughs> yeah. We're going. I, so, I lost a lot of arrows last year. Yeah, but yeah. all these go back to that. All these guys you're you're mentioning is, I think it is such a cool platform that they have, and I wish that I had gotten into being influenced by them mm-hmm. in the beginning. Um, now I read a lot of books, so I read a lot of old school bow hunting books. My uncle gave me an old bow hunting book, and I I've read some you know Fred Bear books and. That's kind of how I got my start in the archery, and my my father in law is a big bow hunter. So when I started bow hunting, I said, "Well, this is the next challenge that I I want to get into." Right. And I ended up killing a couple of deer with my bow, killing a buck with my bow, and um, I realized there was there was no stop to the learning. Right. And yeah. that's what was exciting to me. That's the coolest thing, man. And yeah. I think the day that I get to the point where I go, I don't need to learn anymore, is the day I'll quit. Yep. Because 100%. I have so much. I mean, we were just shooting here in your basement, and I'm like, hmm, I need to work on some things still. Yeah. There's things to tweak. I got into making my own arrows. I got making, starting to learn how to tune my own bow because it's just got my mind consumed, you know. And shout out to my wife. My wife is awesome. She Anyone? totally supports me yeah. 100%. And a lot of people go, man, you don't spend any time with your wife. Well, it's not true. We right. have such an awesome relationship. And, Man, I couldn't be more thankful yeah. for my wife. Yeah. Anyone who is, you know, super into to bow hunting, you know yeah. what I mean? Or like, you know, like the cats out there that will listen to this, you and I, you know, John, yep. Greg, like all the guys we were talking about, you spend so much time in it. Like if you don't have a good relationship, yep. and I'll go even one step further and say if you don't have the ability to create good relationships... Yep it's going to be really hard. Yep. You know what I mean? You're not, you're going to have to give one up. I actually had a family member last year come to me and say, Wilson, we have a friend who got divorced because he was too into hunting. And I said, Oh man, I feel that that's terrible. terrible." You know, you, you hate to hear that. Right. And they said, we're, we don't want that to happen to you. And I almost laughed and I, I was like, Oh, but it's interesting. We can put out that vibe. Yeah. We can put out the vibe like we hunt every day, you know, because I'll take a bunch of pictures and I can post every day. Mm-hmm. Um, now, granted, I am blessed. I can hunt on my way to work. Like yeah. I can go, I can hunt for a couple hours and get to work. Yeah. And so, yeah, I get to hunt a lot. Um, but my wife, you know, comes first 
a hundred percent of the time. And if something yep. she needs to do, we need to make it happen. Yep. There's many nights I'm up late at night trying to get something done so that I can hunt. Right. <laughs> well, I got to do this on Saturday. How about I do it Friday night right. <laughs> so I can hunt Saturday? Right. But the nice thing is my wife, um, likes hunting as well she loves venison she mm -hmm. loves the fact that she doesn't have to go out and buy meat yeah i mean in my freezer right now i have moose i have bear i killed a bear up a couple days ago yeah we'll talk i want to talk yeah. i definitely want to talk about that because we haven't it. even got into deer hunting yeah, in i like killed Pennsylvania this year i killed nine deer last year my wife killed a deer um i mean the goose duck i mean we lots of wild turkey yeah so we're Got a freezer full, man. Yeah, we got a you're, grocery you're, store in our freezer, yeah. which we've been blessed. It's yeah. definitely, we've been such so blessed with that, so. Yeah, for sure, man. I mean, it's, um, yeah, I mean, you just find, you just find ways to, to make time. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like, you just. The, you the, can, the excuse of, I don't have time, I'm not, I know a lot of guys out there are going to say that and not to be rude or anything. Right. If you don't have time, um, my challenge would be is, what in your life can you cut back on to make time? Right. Or what isn't as important. Yeah. Right. Because Megan's the same way. It's like I, part of hers, though, probably is, too, is like, look, he's not in a band anymore. And yeah. Being absolutely insane. Yes. You know what I mean? So like there's. Yeah. There's glad that. you're not like, glad you're not in a band anymore. So right. you hunt all you want. Yeah. Um, but, you know, the other side of it, too, is, is like, you know, she also recognizes that hunting's not just the act of going out and trying to, you know, as much as I love to put meat in the freezer and have, you know you know, clean protein and stuff like that. Yeah. You know, there's also the part of it that it's like, man, like that's, it's therapeutic. You oh yeah. I mean? it's, it's a like, true rest. Yeah. It's a true rest to be out, not to sound hippie or anything, but to be out in, in nature, to be out in the woods. And sometimes for me, it's in between two houses because I hunt a 100%. lot of urban areas. Yeah. yeah. But for me to be strapped into a tree, getting to watch animals around your base, of your tree and watching squirrels or whatever it may be. Um, it's rest. Yeah, it's rest. It's it's allows you to reset your mind. Mm -hmm. I do I do some of my best thinking, and when I say thinking, I'm not solving world's problems. Yeah, and it's not. I'm not, not I'm yet. Not, at least not not yet. I'm working on it. Yeah. The uh, you know, I'm not going to go that far, but there's a lot of opportunity to do a lot of kind of reflection yep. and internal kind of uh, auditing, yep. if you will. You know what I mean? And and. I don't know how many times I've worked through things that had been stressing me out or yeah, whatever. So I just had like four hour, an evening hunt in a tree stand to think through all the stuff that was going through my mind. Yeah. And I was able to kind of like declutter everything and yep. say, okay, this isn't as challenging as I thought it was. Here's what the answer needs to be. You oh man. I mean? The first, my son was born November 7th, three years ago. Wow. And it was, I don't know, 3 a.m. We're in the hospital. He was born. Um, that night or the night before and we're up, the baby's crying and my wife looks at me and she goes, why don't you go hunting? We're in the hospital. And I was so stressed. I'd never been a dad before. I didn't know what right. was going to happen. And I said, are you serious? She goes, yeah, you're not going to sleep in here anyways. Just go hunt. I went out, I hunted and it was like, I felt like I got to rewind and go, oh my goodness, I'm a dad now. Yep. Then I, I ended up shooting a deer that day, that morning and. I'll never forget that hunt because I right. felt like I got to, to press the pause button and relax and go. Because for those of you that are blessed to be a parent, you right. know, that first kid is, oh yeah, you're like, what so is going on? Is there a manual for this thing? Yeah. Like, <laughs> uh, wait, you want me to take him home? Yeah. Like, you want me to bring this crying baby to my house? And you're going to uh, leave me there. 
and you're not coming. Yeah. Uh, so that was, I'll never forget that. Being up in a tree, literally I remember just staring out into the soybean field going, oh my goodness, I'm a dad. I'm. It's no longer two young married kids anymore. It's like we got a, a life to take care of. Right. And being in the tree really, man, it was so peaceful. It was awesome. Yeah. No, that's the, it's one of my favorite things about it is just being able to have nothing around me yeah you know it's uh except for your harness except for my well for me it's a saddle (laughs) except for your saddle (laughs) these days uh but yeah where you're where you're safe i didn't know about saddles or uh harnesses when i first started hunting i remember yeah my father-in-law well when when we when we hunted that one time i knew about them but i just was too cheap to buy one or wear one and i gave you grief about it too i have one now but i remember my father-in-law was like, hey, go hunt this stand I have. It's a climber. And I didn't know what a climber was. So I am right. I skinny up this tree with this climber. And on my way down, the bottom slips out for me. And I'm hanging there <laughs> 20 feet up in the air, holding on to this stand. Like, this is not good. So if you're listening to this, wear your harness. Wear your safety yeah, harness. It's, um, it's not an option anymore. No, no. So, it's, so, the, so there was one season, you know, on, that I hunted without one. And it was the most sketch season oh, yeah. ever. I love heights. I love climbing trees. So to me, it's just normal. Right. Clint and I got to hunt last year in this um, oak that has a big split about 15 yeah. feet up. And I hung a stand in each split. And he gets up there and, <laughs> oh man, he's like, this is this is sketchy. And I'm like, it's fine. He goes, where's your harness? I'm like, oh, I don't know. I don't have a harness. And then he couldn't get his harness around the tree because it was too big. And I think you ended up, didn't you? I did ended get up getting, it on. yeah, ended up figuring out how to get it on. Because I was just like, man, I was like, there's no way I'm going to hunt this stand without my yeah. harness. It's just really weird. I mean, it's like, it's one of those things where I personally have a really hard time hunting anything that someone else has hung. Yeah. You know what I mean? Oh, I totally get that. You know I what totally I mean? Like, understand. and it's not like, because I mean, I trust you as, as, as much as anybody. You know yep. what I mean? But it's just one of those things where it's like if I didn't hang it, yeah, and know that it's oh yeah hung the way I want it hung, it's like I have a real hard time getting. That's into like a stand. why would you ever bungee jump? Yeah, you- <laughs> I'm not bungee jumping. Yeah, did you see the guy on the hang glider the other week? Oh that yeah, that, that didn't clip in. It's like no. I almost had a heart attack watching that. If you haven't watched that, you look up this it guy. Gives me anxiety. This guy goes hang gliding and his guide forgets to strap him in. Yeah, and for about five minutes he hangs on for dear life, and the whole time you go, he's gonna die. Yep. That's what you feel like when you hunt someone else's stand. Yep, that's what I feel like when I hunt someone else's stand. Wow. Yeah. So I, awesome. I like to hang. I like <laughs> to hang my. Which is nice now with the with the the, the new mobile setup that I have, where it's like, man, yep. there, there's no reason for anyone to ever hang a hang anything for me. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like I just walk in, saddle, yep. platform, shimmy up. Yeah. And I'm set up. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's that like is the, nice. There's no, uh, you know, so like what, I know you and I are planning to do some late season hunts this year. It's mm-hmm. like we can hunt. You can hunt your setup and, or, yep. and be in your setup, and I'll find a tree that's right yeah. next to it. And, yeah, that's nice. And set up in that, and we can film and do whatever we got to do. It's funny, though, when you and I deer hunt together, we never see deer. All the times that we've hunted deer together, I don't think we've actually seen a deer we while we were sitting. We saw a doe on the other hillside. Oh, no, that's right. That we one did. time. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, you're right. The first time we were in a blind together, and we literally just talked the whole time. We are talking about this and that and everything, and we're like, oh. We're, hunt, we're deer hunting. Yeah. I mean, it's no surprise why we didn't see anything that yeah, day. Yeah, know? we were. But it was still a good hunt. Yeah. We had a good time. But and then I usually go out the next day and I kill something. <laughs> it like clockwork, dude. It's like every time. We like, took you out turkey hunting with your daughter and, and 
and I don't even think we heard anything. It was cold. It was miserable. we heard a faint gobble really far away yeah. in the morning. I killed a bird it. the next or that that following week when it opened for adult and deer hunting. Same thing. No deer. I killed deer the next day. Yeah, we took Trevor out to turkey hunt. Yep. no turkeys. No turkeys. Kill one next later day that probably. Week. I that's I went to Minnesota and killed one. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that was a fun trip. I got ten seconds. I got to go to Minnesota and help one of my best friends um, build a his front porch. Mm-hmm. He was trying to finish the house before summer hit. And I was like, Minnesota? Is there turkeys in Minnesota? Look up turkeys. I can buy a tag over the counter. There was two days left in the season. So I found public land literally 15 minutes from this guy's house. He lives in suburbia. And go there, call on a bird. Uh, another hunter shoots it. In be- it was coming, and he had snuck in between me and the bird, and he, right. he shot it. Never killed a bird before. No decoys, no calls, no camo. Kills this bird. Scared me half to death because I didn't right. know he was there. So I went out the next day, bird was gobbling, and called him in to 15 yards, killed it, ended up being one of the biggest turkeys ever killed, had a double beard. Nice. Um, but that was a great Minnesota trip. And everyone in his little neighborhood was like, you killed a turkey? What? Where? Like, it was so, you got to like go way out to kill a turkey. And I was like, yeah, I killed it just down the road here. <laughs> so I found this little public land spot where you had to use steel shot because it was like a waterfowl con- conservation area right. still shot for turkey hunting is not recommended but it's right. the only option i had so it was right. a fun hunt got nice. eaten by mosquitoes oh yeah that's their state bird in minnesota what's that turkey the mosquito a mosquito oh yeah. nice <laughs> they got some big ones out yeah. there huh nice yeah. so for those of you out that don't know that was uh that was rocky that decided to chime in with the wolf he was uh protecting us from the uh the heater turning on yes so tight work pup Good job. Yeah. Yeah, you did a good job. You want to get up on, you want to get in on the podcast action? No? You want to lay down? You lay down and be quiet some? Good boy. So now that we've, we've gone through all the Alaska, all this stuff, we started talking about deer hunting. Let's go ahead and do a little, little deer hunting, little deer hunting talk. So we're still in the midst. Well, I won't say in the midst. By the time people listen to this, season will be over, right? Today, as we're recording this, this yep. the last Saturday of, of rifle season. And I didn't even know this until John actually told me this. We were talking about it one day on the podcast. I just all my life had assumed that you couldn't bow hunt during rifle season in Pennsylvania. Had no clue that you can until like two weeks ago, John. He and I were talking about it on yeah. the podcast. And he looked it up and he's like, no, dude, you can. I think you can. Any more primitive weapon. Yeah. So... What are they going to tell you? No, you can't make it harder on yourself. Like, but there, are, but there are yeah. some places, and I don't know which, which yeah. states it is, but I know I've heard people talk about there are some places that you're not allowed to use anything other than, yeah, that shotgun or that, you know, rifle or whatever it is yeah. during that part of the season or whatever. So, I can't stress reading your regulation book. Oh man, like yeah, p- f- cover the the last page, read the whole thing. Yeah, you'll learn stuff about your state. Like, I mean, I'm still. I, someone told me something that I didn't know. I was like, seriously? It was great. It was nice. great to learn. So Yeah. No, knowledge is power. Yeah. <laughs> Hooked on ponics. Hooked <laughs> on ponics. So anyway, so deer season's about to kind of come to a close, at least yeah. for the first act. Yep. Right? And then we'll open back up for late archery and all that stuff on like the 26th. Yep. Um, and then for us lucky folks on the eastern part of the state, we'll run through the end of January. Yep. I think it's the 26th this year. It's the last day of if memory serves, because I know it's the very last like weekend of, of January, whatever it yeah. falls on. But the game commission gives you like a week leeway, so you can hunt 
late and they just give you grace, right? Yeah. Yeah, they're, they're, they're usually real graceful people. They're like, just kidding. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, man, let's talk about your season, dude. Because you've been after one particular deer, and yeah. you, you've had a pretty a pretty killer season thus far, man. Like, so, well, first, t- talk a little bit about, like, kind of the, some of the areas that you hunt. I mean, I know some of the areas that you're hunting, but yeah. the folks out there, you know, I just started this year hunting more around the suburbs this mm-hmm. year with that piece of public that I've yeah. been hunting or whatever. Um, and then I did do some hunting in the suburbs with Phil a little bit. Yeah. I've hunted some suburb stuff with, with you yep. and so on and so forth. But, you know, that is something that's really kind of newer to me. Yeah. You know, over, and overall. that's all I know. Right. So it's like, I just kind of, I guess, explain like some of the setups you've been hunting. Yeah. A lot of the setups, a lot of places I hunt are access from people who have deer eating their plants um, or just knock and ask, hey, I've seen deer back there. Um, I'd like to shoot a deer for me we eat it and more times than not i've gotten access mm-hmm. and um that's a part of that building relationship some of my best relationships are from property owners that i have right. to hunt and yeah so when i came we went hunting my father-in-law took me hunting and he said hey we're gonna go hunt in this field and i was like there's like neighborhood right behind you and he goes mm-hmm. well yeah there's a certain distance you got to be from the house but you can you can hunt there so it just blew my mind, and he goes, the deer will come out, and we'll shoot one. Mm-hmm. And so that my very first hunt, literally, we got up into this tower blind at my buddy's uh, property to hunt, and half an hour later, out comes this follow does. It was late season January, so all these does come out, and he goes, which one do you want to shoot? And I shot one, and that was my first deer hunt. Mm-hmm. And there's a house 300 yards in front of us. There's a house 200 yards behind us. I mean, for gun, you have to have a 150-yard um distance safety zone unless you have permission right and that was that's all i know about deer hunting not the mountains not anything else this right. year was my first year going in the mountains and to be honest it wasn't as exciting as this urban hunting that i've been doing the biggest piece of property i personally have to hunt is 55 acres less than mm-hmm. 60 acres right and on that 60 acres there's no woods it's mm-hmm. soybean field soybean field soybean field pasture um and then two hedgerows. Mm-hmm. And so I'm basically hunting the neighbor's woods. So he, the neighbor has all the woods and we have the food source. Mm-hmm. And now, now he has food as well, but ours is so less pressured um, from hunting, but I'm hunting between another house. They have grass and they love the deer. They watch the deer. Right. They often, I can often see them looking through binoculars at me in my stand. <laughs> I'm, I'm looking to, at them. I'm like, oh, they're looking at me, and I look, and I sometimes I wave, and they wave back. It's kind of funny, but most <laughs> of my spots amazing. all are less than 20 acres, all with homes on them, yeah. and all between homes, between a creek bed and a home, to try to find any funnel or pinch that you can. Mm-hmm. And most of the time, it's the house right. that is the best funnel, right? And the road, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So you've been chasing this one deer. You, you killed a hammer buck this year. Yeah. You know, and I, don't, I don't want to spoil that story. So yeah. I definitely want you, to, want you to tell that. But, you know, you basically killed that deer on your way or on, in your attempts to kill what this deer you've been calling Captain Hook for like the past yeah. couple of years or whatever. Yep. You know? So I haven't talked about Captain Hook or shared pictures because, like I said, when I was following this guy and he said, the only reason I'm sharing this picture is because I killed him. Mm-hmm. And because I hunt in such an urban area, I know all the hunters around me. Right. And one of the hunters I know very well. Mm-hmm. And um, and if you're listening to this, it's not the spot you're thinking of. Right. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe it is. You'll never know. And, 
But uh, right in our area, we don't have a lot of public land, so we're hunting all these tight access yeah. private property parcels anyways. And so I got a trail camera and um, from Dick Sporting Goods. It was used. like They had a used sale on these trail cameras. I bought it for right. 15 bucks or something crazy. And I put it up. This was my first full year hunting, and I pulled the card. My father-in-law has been hunting this property for 10-plus years. I pulled, and he's never killed a, at the time, he never killed a deer there. Hmm. And um, he killed deer everywhere else, but not at this property. I pulled the card, and I had this buck. And I was like, wow, it's a nice buck. And I showed it to a bunch of people, and they said, well, it's a small deer. And he at the time, he was probably a two-and-a-half-year-old. I ended up seeing him and passing him and ended up shooting a buck later that year. And that was not much bigger. But I said, man, that's not a very big buck. I don't know. I've never killed a buck, but I'll just pass him. That's what people say you should do. Pass a younger deer. Right. So I passed him up, killed my deer, which in turn wasn't that much older, but it was my first bow kill right. with oh, first buck. and uh, But he had this distinct attribute about his brow tine. It literally hooked and almost touched his main beam. Mm-hmm. Like his, if you're looking at him, his right brow tine hooked all the way over and almost touched his G2, actually. And the next year, I pull the camera, and here's this buck with the same brow tine, and he blew up. And he probably went from like 110 inch to 100 and. 25 inch and for bucks county that's a big deer yeah for pennsylvania i mean that's that's a good deer yeah you know what i mean that's I mean, not look. not super wide but tall and carried his mass and so i said i want to kill this deer and so all of last season i hunted him and i hunted him way too hard mm-hmm. um yeah i remember we were talking about that after the season just like you know like john and i do on the podcast we have our you know our you know debrief at the yeah. end of the year what we learned what we yeah. you know you and I kind of do the same thing. And yeah. Just, you know, maybe we'll do it on the show now. You yep. know what I mean? But we, we'll call each other at the end of the season and be like, man, I screwed this up. Yep. I screwed this up. You know? Well, and because we're hunting, you have to realize when you're hunting urban areas that other people hunt, it's not only you that are pressuring 100%. this deer. It's everybody else is pressuring this deer. So yep. you're only adding to the stress of this deer's life. And I had three encounters with him last year. One time I was literally on my phone and he walked by. And I was like, oh my goodness, he's at 25 yards and he's walking in front of me. I'm on my phone. So I tried to put my phone away. He busted me. He was gone. Later on in the year, um, he came by chasing a doe. And then I think again, I saw him way far out in a neighboring property. And I never found his sheds, never got pictures of him after that. Thought maybe someone killed him. And then this year, in this uh, was July... I'm sitting in my lawn chair in my American flag shorts, my American flag lawn chair with my spotting, with the spotting scope looking over this field and out comes Captain Hook. And he, he had gone from like a 125 inch eight to comfortably mid 148 point, which again, for my, for our area, urban hunting. Dude, 140 inch eight point period anywhere is a big deal. Yeah. Like. And people will go, like, especially people listening to this go, no, no, that's no way. I got pictures of him. He's a toad. I, yeah, we were we were yeah. eating, and I caught a glance of <laughs> yeah. one while we were And that was last year. Yeah, and, so, and he was a hammer then. And But this year, for some reason, his pattern changed a little bit, and he never, I, can never, I got no trail camp pictures of him, but I knew he was there. I needed a certain wind, and I got the wind. It surprised me. It was opening day. It was a good wind and the good temperature. I, you don't always have to hunt opening day. Right. But it was good, so I went in and 
like clockwork, these does came out and I look behind me and there he is at 150 yards, just came out of this big oak patch of woods. And I'm so focused on this deer that I'm not thinking of anything else. And these does had moved downwind of me and they never smelled me. I was hunting with the Ozonics this year. Mm -hmm. It was like, it was hot September day. I'm sweating. They were downwind for an hour. Never. It was, Mm -hmm. it was great. My rangefinder battery died. I'm trying to range spots to shoot this buck. And so I'm now trying to, I always carry an extra battery with me. I'm changing batteries. Well, I'm moving all around, and I didn't realize these does are watching me. And all of a sudden, I hear this, the dreaded stomp. Yeah. And I turn around, (laughs) and this doe is like welling up to blow. And in the matter of five seconds, I picked my bow up, I drew, and I double-lunged her. She went 30 yards and piled up. And none of the other does left the field. And I had another buck in front of me, and nobody left. It was like... God had smiled down right. <laughs> and this buck kept coming. And so he came directly below my tree and I drew on him straight down. It's a very difficult shot, but I, the hopes was he was going to keep coming out. So I wasn't going to shoot him straight down, but I had drawn to, to be ready to shoot him probably at about six yards. And all of a sudden I hear a sliding door open and, and all of a sudden this little white dog comes peeling across his backyard and he pinwheels around and runs right back into the woods. And that was the closest I ever got to him. He just needed to take a couple more steps, and it was game over. And so being that close to him, man, I mean, you got a good look at him. Oh, yeah, you got a close. He was just like, like, what were the characteristics of his? He's perfectly symmetrical, which is awesome, besides his brow tine. His brow tine has got this crazy hook to him, but he's perfectly symmetrical, carries his mass all the way out, and the, the base of his antler is a pedicle, like, almost touches is that the right word the pedicle the yeah bottom? i believe so almost yeah. touches in the middle and um i saw a deer last year like that somebody had shot and it's just so cool how tight it gets in the middle mm-hmm. and not i mean he was about 20 ish inches wide and and it just you're like i can't believe i'm looking at a deer of this caliber and right. i made all the right decisions to be in the right spot with the right wind and he's here right and it was like i won Christmas. I beat him. <laughs> right. But I just never shot him. Right. And I think it was two days later I get a text from a guy that hunts not too far and says, Hey, my buddy just shot a hammer, got a crazy brow tine, huge, biggest buck he's ever shot. And uh, so I kind of was pretty depressed. I couldn't get a picture of it. No, no right. one would say, I, I didn't know if it was true or not. And I got a good win for the set again. And I went in in full hopes to to shoot this deer not knowing if he was alive or not but i also knew there was other good deer in this area and it's an overlooked area and nice little funnel tons the the acorns were dropping like crazy in our area at the time Mm -hmm. it was like you could just hear them falling right yeah sounds like it's raining yeah yeah and um so i'm hunting these acorns the beans are still green and all the dough came out nothing happened and i don't like to stay till after dark if there's an opening I can get out while it's light, mm-hmm. um, not bump deer. That's what I've been doing at this spot so that I don't have, one time last year I was in the spot really late because the deer wouldn't leave the field and I didn't want to bump them. So I lower my bow. There's about 10 minutes left of shooting light and my bow is about five feet from the ground. It's a branch and I hear like this snort mm-hmm. and I look behind and here's this buck 10 yards behind me now 
bounding out to about 70 yards. And I was like, that's an awesome buck. Mm-hmm. And it's some buck that I've actually overlooked because I'd been chasing this other deer and he's an, he's a great deer. And so I get my bow back up to my stand real quick, get my release out. I'm shooting a thumb this release this year, which, so I don't have my release aid strapped to my hand anymore. So I'm right. fidgeting, I'm unhooking my bow, I'm ranging spots. And I throw a grunt at him. It's September. Mm-hmm. Did I kill him in October? Trying no. To remember. Yeah, it was the first week of October, I think. I think you're right. It's all mixing together. Yeah, it is because I was back. I was back home. Yep. And that was I went back home to hunt the opening weekend. Yep. Well, he wasn't fully running. He was making a scrape. And I just decided, you know what? I'm going to throw a grunt at him. And I threw a grunt at him. And he came back and tried to get downwind to me and I stopped him and I was had so much adrenaline when I stopped my my meh turned out to be a scream it was like a <laughs> <laughs> and uh I scared this deer half to death but I'd I was already drawn he stopped at the top end of kind of my range where I like to shoot he stopped at 42 yards which I'm mm-hmm. very comfortable with I shoot all the time um and when he stopped he had crouched down low mm-hmm. which I did not take into account Usually you, you take into account that the deer is going to drop your air a little bit. So right. you aim a little bit lower. I put my pin on, followed through my shot, arrow released, um, everything was perfect. I heard it hit him. I heard it hit a little bit of shoulder and he ran off Mach 5. Right. And I looked at my binoculars and you could see blood where I shot him. Then I could see part of my arrow broken off. I call my buddies. I call my father-in-law. He shot the biggest deer of my life because he was. I've only ever shot one buck. Right. Um, in the three years I've hunted. Right. And um, we searched. Blood was pouring out. Bubbly lung blood looked like someone took a pint glass and just threw it everywhere. Right. And then it stopped. Drip, drip, completely nothing. And we did a grid search and we never found him. And my heart sank. I was like, maybe he had a, a shoulder and it bled like crazy, which can happen sometimes. Right. And he still lives to see another day. Well, it was our first cold front, so it was nice and frosty overnight. I got out there first thing in the morning with a good buddy. And one place we didn't look, he said, you go up this way, I'll go, I'll go down. Uh, basically, you go north, I'll go south. And about five minutes later, he calls me and goes, I found a buck, but it's uh, it's pretty small. <laughs> and I go, are you kidding me? So I race down to him, and I walk up on the biggest deer I've ever shot. And he's there laughing and he's like, I got you because I was stressed out. Maybe, <laughs> right. maybe it wasn't a deer I shot. Maybe in the confusion, I shot a different deer, which I know I didn't. Right. And, um, yeah, this deer ended up being, this is the biggest deer I've shot and definitely a huge accomplishment in my books. Yeah, for sure, man. He's a great deer. He's Pope and young you yep. know, and killing, killing a Pope and. Pennsylvania is not an easy task yeah. because there's not those caliber of deer running around everywhere. Yep. You know what I mean? Like this year on my dad's place, like if you made me, if you held a gun to my head and <laughs> asked me if there was a Pope on that property, it's like there might be one. Yeah. Like there was one that I, that might be pushing Pope and young. Yeah. But I, uh, I, I couldn't say that with with hundred with like even ninety five percent confidence yeah. or eighty percent confidence. Like I think there's the one there that I was chasing. The one, what was he? I guess he was a ten point this year, if I'm remembering correctly. He had the he had the potential to be. Yeah, 
but his rack, like, he had super long tines and a super long main beams, but he had, he was just kind of tight. Yeah, you know, but so it's not a super common deer in in, yep. in PA. Like you're not always going to find those. Like I mean, I have a couple hammers in the swamp. Yeah, you know what I mean, but like both properties back home, like the farms and stuff like that. <clears throat> I maybe between the two farms have one Pope and young deer. Yeah. Maybe, you know, and it's amazing. Everybody asked me, where did you shoot this buck? Yeah. Um, I had to go get some ice. I wanted to stick. I actually got him field dressed, got him on my deer rack and went to the store, put some ice in him. Cause I had to go to staff meeting. So I'm in staff meeting, literally looking out the window at my car with this buck on the back. Right. And I was like, man, that's awesome. <laughs> I did not listen to anything in the staff meeting. Um, besides what I needed to do. And, uh, Everyone says, where'd you shoot this buck? That's like the number one question you'll get asked right. because everyone hunts so close knit together. Yeah. They're like, well, maybe he was near my property or whatnot. The only reason I got to kill this buck, it's no magic sauce or anything, but is because I spent countless of hours scouting that property, mm-hmm. sitting and just waiting and not hunting bad winds, yep. not hunting times where I'm going to bump a deer. I remember the very first year I hunted, I would get down from my stand and walk around Mm-hmm. Like literally I would walk around and try to see if I could see a deer. Right. And little did I know I'm like pushing deer all over the county. Right. <laughs> and then someone said, well, do you shouldn't do that. And so I started to research, why shouldn't you do that? And I started scent control impact, just general impact on your farm. Yep. The place I hunt, this lady's single and there's no impact on the farm besides when the farmer plants and harvests. That's right. it. Yep. So if I don't have to go in there at all, I won't. I'll leave trail cameras as long as I can and be as far away as I can to just scout. Right. And then when opportunity lends itself, sneak in there and try to be undetected. Right. That's yeah. the only reason I killed this deer. I mean, time spent behind my binoculars yep. trying to figure out where they're coming. And driving the block, like driving the mile around to to scout other people's property to go, you know what, this is actually as a crow flies, only 400 yards. Right. That's nothing for a deer to travel. So I'm scouting yeah. other people's properties thinking, wow, those deer don't have a lot of food here, but they have food here. They got cover here. They got travel here. They got pinch points here. They're going to make it to our property. Yep. And um, and just time driving, countless times driving that block, driving that square. I guess it would be like a square mile trying to figure out where these deer live and come from. Right. I mean, it's the suburban, like smaller parcel hunting, man, can be, can be tough because – it's, you might know, so I'll just give you my scenario, right? So hunting that swamp that, I, that I've that i been hunting this year, good deer in there, pictures of them, saw one on the hoof. But there's a bunch of small, small private parcels around it, which I don't have any access to, yeah. right? So if they're literally not on that parcel, you can't hunt them. Yeah. You know what I mean? And that's that's the part that's challenging with some of this small parcel hunting because, like, some people will say, well, they only have so many places to go. And it's like, well, yeah, but you only have a place you can be. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's yeah. like, yeah, it is – there's a lot fewer places that, that they can be. Yeah. But they literally have to be at the one place that you can be. Yeah. You know what I mean? Which is, which is hard. Now, within that area, it's like I can hunt a couple of different setups. Yeah. Right? But if they're staying on the neighbor's – at this point of the year or whenever. Cause I, yeah. I feel like this property particularly transitions at least it did this year. And I only have one year of hunting it to kind of tell, but like, you know, all the deer kind of disappeared right around Halloween. Yep. You know, all the big deer kind of took off and like never saw them again. I just got, I told you today, I pulled a camera when I got in there today 
And I really went in and, and hunted it because I wanted to kind of walking in knowing that it probably wasn't going to be a great hunt, but it's like I need to learn like, yep. what this property has to offer during the different times of the season. That way next year I'm hunting it at the right times and not yeah. hunting it whenever it's not going to be fruitful. You know what I mean? So I went in today, pulled the camera, and there was one of the more mature deer, and he showed up around November 23rd. And that yeah. was the first mature deer that I had on camera since October 23rd. Oh, wow. So it was like they pretty much disappeared for the entire Ghost run. Town. Yeah. They didn't leave the county. I just can't get to where they're hunting or where they're living now. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because there's a bunch of wooden blocks that are kind of all the different properties that they each, the neighbors all own probably anywhere from five to 15 acres. And there's probably eight of them. So yeah. there's probably, you know, I, I don't know, like probably close to a hundred ish acres, maybe a little bit more that they could be on that I can't hunt. Yeah. You know, that's private. So plenty of room for a couple big deer to live on. You yeah. Know what I mean, so, but, yeah, it's a lot of these guys say, well, I, I want to hold a buck on my property. Well, if you got 20 acres, it's going to be hard. Yeah. It's, I would even say it's just not going to happen. Yeah. I mean, you could, he could have a bed on your yep. property. Yep. You know what I mean? And his, I think, yeah, there's a difference between having a bed and that being his home range. Right. Because for his me, home, yeah, his home range is going to be much bigger than 20 acres. Yep. You know? yeah. yeah. And so, for instance, and this is kind of how small our area is in the sense of where we hunt, I was at a wedding. Uh, about 40 minutes from where I hunt. And the guy at the table behind me is talking about shooting a buck. He just shot a buck. This is at the beginning of the season. And I said, oh, that's so cool. And he goes, yeah, I hunt in this town. He names this town. Well, that's where I hunt. And I said, can I see a picture of this buck? He shows me a picture of his buck. He hunts as the crow flies a quarter mile from me. Mm-hmm. He shows me a picture of this buck, and it's a buck I probably passed half a dozen times. Mm-hmm. And I'm like... Oh, congratulations because it was a nine point but he was like a two and a half year old nine a great deer for anyone in our area to hunt just not a great necessarily mature deer, not a mature deer i right. was really pumped for him he doesn't get out hunting much I, I can be more stoked for him but it's this kind of reminder to me is the deer you pass in an urban hunting area your neighbor's going to shoot yeah and uh, there's a high likelihood yep of it. it's yep. a very high likelihood and so it just the more you can lessen your impact on your land the more opportunity you're going to have to shoot a deer. Yeah. Cause a lot of the folks around you also are only able to hunt that one yep. area, whatever yeah. it is they have access to. So, you know, it's, there's spots specifically. I will not. And, and anyone listening, if you have the opportunity or the availability to do this during gun season, I will not hunt at all. You just let it lay and it becomes this heaven for the mm-hmm. deer because no one's chasing them with orange on. No one's trying to find them and whack them. Yeah, and they just get to live there, and then become accustomed to it. They have beds there. They, it becomes part of their home range. Yeah. It's it's funny because I know we were talking about it today, but I was thinking about going back to my dad's to hunt today, only because we do have food there. Yeah, with the food plot, and my dad gun hunts it every year. One day he hunts it opening day because usually he'll yep. come up from the Carolinas and hunts one day and then goes back home. That's usually his his gun hunt for the year. So literally, it doesn't get hunted. Like I literally hunted it three days four days this year opening day and then three days during the end of october and that and dad hunted it once yeah but the weird thing is is last year i think dad hunted it one day in bow season and maybe one day in rifle season not a single mature deer 
barely any deer at all from gun opener till all the way through like winter into spring. It was the weirdest thing because I made the assumption that like we would have a pile of deer on camera because we're not there. Yeah. No one really hunted it. Nothing. It was, it was, it was super weird. So I'm really looking forward to checking the cameras this year post rifle season to see what happens now that there's some, now that there's some food Food there, there, something to hold them. Yeah. Because if you don't have anything to hold them, well that, and there's this weird thing is though, there's not a lot of food around there. You know what I mean? So it's like, I was, I was like, I don't know that they're leaving to go find better food because there just really isn't much around there. You know what I mean? But I was a little, I was a little, you know, confused by that or it was, it wasn't what I expected. Essentially. I assumed that there'd be a pile of deer there just because it's no pressure or whatever. But, and I'm not going to say urban hunting is harder than people out in the Midwest or whatever. They got ag as far as you can see. Um, it is just different. Yeah. Um, Deer have patterns, but also I feel like deer have opinions. Yeah. <laughs> and they go, you know what? It's Saturday. Let's go to Joanne's backyard and eat off of her apple tree. Or let's go to right Ted's front front yard where he's got nice flowers. Like it, it just is kind of the luck of the draw. Mm-hmm. Um, but man, when natural food is more abundant than residential food, in, in a yeah. sense, flowers, um, bird feeders corn that they're feeding them out back because they like to watch a deer yep natural food is also is always a bigger draw yeah um acorns green soybeans like it is mm. it's a bigger draw to those deer and i think it'll always outweigh yeah um, those other especially whenever the acorns really start dropping too because anything that they can eat while staying in cover yep is their their choice right because yeah. they, they, they out of harm's way in, in yep. those senses I, I will say the one thing i've also noticed is just they will tolerate just a little bit more human intrusion. Yeah, you know, absolutely. I've seen, like, I, I saw a buck today when I walked in, and he saw me as I was walking in, and because it was so cold and crunchy. I mean, there was no possible way to, I was trying to be quiet as I possibly could, and I probably got within 30, 40 yards of him, and he took off. But he only bounded away a few times and then stopped and just kind of turned around to look. Yeah. Because I guarantee you there's people who, well, I know there's people who walk their dog yeah. through there because I've seen them yeah. while I was hunting. You know what I mean? So it's like I'm sure he's run into people before yeah. in people a similar way. On, dogs barking. Yep. And I'm sure that buck that ran away from that dog came out 15 minutes after I left. Oh, he's like, oh, yeah, that's, that's Sparky. Over yeah. There. Yeah, I know him. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that dog. So I was trying to bite my ankles. Yeah, it's like, exactly. Yeah. Well, cool, man. Well, we covered... We covered deer hunting. We covered Alaska. We covered hot toddies. Yeah. We covered how we've how we've uh, developed our relationship, which yeah. got hippy dippy for a minute. Yeah, you know, I feel like I shared more about deer hunting in my spots than I've ever shared. So I'm like, I can't believe I just said that. Right. Well, the good so news I is, try is not like, to incriminate. Or, <laughs> yeah. Right. Good news is, is we didn't give any GPS coordinates, yeah. and we didn't mention any names of towns or yeah. streets. So I yeah. think we're I think we're good. But uh, any uh, any last words before we close this thing down? Uh, I would just encourage, I guess, anybody that's wanting to get into hunting, don't be afraid to ask somebody. Yeah. Ask somebody, hey, can I go out in the woods with you? Yeah. Um, for me, I love taking people out during the shed season because I can go find sheds, which I found a shed yesterday. Did you really? From last year, but I was like, look, a shed. And nice. then I was like, it's already started. <laughs> Um, it's a great time to get guys out in the woods and just teach them, Hey, see the stick, don't step on it. Right. It'll be loud. 
th- simple things that you no one's there to teach you. You got to learn on your own, or if someone's there to teach you, it's great. But just ask somebody. Right. And if you don't have anyone that you know that hunts, start yourself. Find a hunter safety course. Take a class. Ask the instructor questions. And um, sounds cliche, but YouTube is your friend. Yeah. You can learn a lot of great information on YouTube. Also, a lot of bad information. But oh, yeah. there's a lot of great stuff on um, on YouTube and. I've learned a lot from this podcast, I can tell you that. Well, thanks, That's man. why you're like, come on my podcast. I'm like, people will not learn anything. I'll just tell, <laughs> yeah, I killed a lot of turkeys. Um, <laughs> but, uh, no, it's it's not out of reach. Right, yeah. You know? the uh, I think it's really important, man. It's it just you know, what you were just saying. Take someone hunting. Yep. Introduce them to it. Help, help them. And, and yeah. If you want to learn more, right? It's like if you're looking for more and more and more and more information and you're mm-hmm. unsure, there's tons of great places like... You know, I know, you know, I've hunted it all growing up and stuff like that. But even when I started talking to the guys on, like, the Beast Forum and stuff like that, yep. I definitely was, like, a little intimidated because those dudes are hardcore and they're good. Yeah. Like, they know what they're doing. But, like, you won't meet a nicer group of hunters that are yep. more willing to share their information at the drop of a hat. Yeah. You know, and you'll run into that more times than not. So, you know, if you if you have questions about things and, like, yep. there are no stupid questions. There's just stupid people. Stupid people who don't ask questions. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's kind of harsh, but you know, yeah. there's some truth to it. Um, so find a place like a forum like that yep. or a podcast and, or whatever and just reach out to those folks and say, hey, how do you do X, Y, and Z? And I yep. guarantee you, you will get an answer. Yeah. In my time of trying to get on field staffs and all those things, I asked so many questions to so many quote unquote professional hunters, and the amount of responses I got was amazing. Oh, yeah. People going, do this or do that or try here or try this or try that. Um, it's almost humbling to go, man, I I asked them a question they answered. Yep. Um, because like I said, they're normal people doing hunting just normal like you want to do. Things. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. And um, I think it wasn't until I got out of this phase of like trying to be a quote unquote, like do it for a living. Mm-hmm. Um, now I just live to do it. Yep. <laughs> and uh, because I got shut down by every single company in the world saying <laughs> you've hunted for two and a half years and right. you're no get out of here but man now i live to do this yeah. and um it's changed my family's life being able to eat good meat have fun experiences together my son said to me yesterday i'm gonna dream about hunting with you daddy he's three years old man that's awesome that's awesome right yeah. there but yeah people can ask me questions anytime you yeah. send me a message on instagram or facebook or whatever it may be i'm always down to take somebody new hunting Yep. As long as you don't share my spots. Right. You know? <laughs> and, uh, yeah, like, I can't wait to get Trevor back out in the woods and yep. try to get him a bird or goose hunt this year for sure. Yep. Um, and we're even going to try taking old old Dum Dum over there, wherever he's at. Yeah, your dog. Old Rockasaurus Rex. We're going to try to take him out on a yep. maiden goose voyage yeah. and see if he just wants to go retrieve something. Because he'll pick anything up if you tell him to. Yeah, or yeah. eat it. Or eat it. But he, yeah, he might do that. <laughs> we'll, we'll see. We'll have to, we'll have to play it yep. by here. But uh, before we shut this uh, this jammer down, uh, dude, where can people find more information about you or follow you or you know get in touch with you? Um, Facebook, just Wilson McSwain. And uh, Instagram, it's at Wilson period McSwain. And when I'm not sleeping, I'll answer your messages. <laughs> yeah. And he's uh, he, he's too humble to mention it, but he's a, a, a fine photographer too. So... <laughs> He's uh he's got great images on Instagram on the gram as yeah. they say. Cool brother. Well, thanks for coming on, dude. No, thank it's, you. It's been nice having you for the first of first of many, I'm sure. Yeah, I appreciate it. Awesome.
All right, folks, that is a wrap for today's show. I'd like to thank Wilson for joining. Be sure to follow him on Instagram and Facebook. We'd, of course, like to thank all of you for listening. And if you haven't yet, please head over to iTunes. Leave us a five-star rating and be sure to subscribe to the podcast so we can deliver each and every episode directly to your mobile device. We'd be super appreciative if you'd be able to do uh, those two things for us. And before we shut this thing down, we need to give a big shout-out to our partners that continue to help us make this podcast possible. Wicked Tree Gear, Exodus Outdoor Gear, Trophy Ridge, Ozonics, Obsession Bows, Tecamani Seed, Glacier Coolers, Ramcat Broadheads, Trophy Taker Rests, and Dead Down Wind. And until next time, we'll see y'all. Makes me proud, makes me steal. I could show you through the door. If it all It takes a special knowing to colorful Damaged heads, broken letters Rationalize yourself in numbers But I gotta get away from All right, gang, the new Truth merch is in stock at truthfromthestand.com and on YouTube below any of the Truth From The Stand videos. I've got some new hats, beanies, t-shirts, long-sleeve t-shirts, and sweatshirts. There's even a new do-hard-shit hat for those of us who like to embrace micro-dosing adversity. So head to truthfromthestand.com and check out the new gear and use the code TRUTH, T-R-U-T-H, and save yourself some cash on the new gear.